Come, ye masters of war, you who hide behind high walls, you who hide behind piles of innocent men, you who toy with lives, you who pretend to shudder when we lay dead in the mud. Come and see the destruction of your path. Come and see those who you deemed unhuman. Come and see what the spread of your civilization has done to millions. Come and see what your beliefs have done to my land. Come and see what your greed has done to my people. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Pray forgiveness, not for what you have done. Pray forgiveness for what is to happen. Pray you never have to meet the man who stood at Clonmel. This is his story. In Brussels, in 1611, a child was born. His name was Hugh Dove O'Neill. Young Hugh was born four years after one of the most tragic moments in Irish history. Four years before his birth, Hugh's family, the great O'Neill clan, had fled their home of Ulster. Old Ireland had been defeated at the Battle of Kinsale and each of the Irish lords, one by one, fell under English rule. In the Ulster town of Rathmullen, the last of the Irish clan leaders, fearing arrest or death, boarded a ship and left in exile. As they left, they left what was once the most Gaelic province of Ireland, where the Gaelic gods used to roam and where the Gaelic heart used to beat. In their absence, the Ulster plantation swept across the land, gobbling up all things Irish in its path. Arriving on mainland Europe, the Earls sought refuge amongst friends. Hugh's father, Art Og, as many others did, joined the Spanish army as a means of gaining work. He travelled throughout Europe with the other exiled Irishmen fighting in other people's wars. When Hugh joined the world, he was born into a large Irish military community in Flanders, where the Spanish army was based. Hugh was educated amongst his Irish and Spanish peers, but quickly showed a great desire to follow in the family's footsteps and become a man of war. At a young age, he too joined the army. He served under an uncle, Owen Roe O'Neill, and under his uncle's command, he fought in the Irish-only regiment of the Spanish army in the Eighty Years' War against the United Provinces of the Netherlands. The Irish in the war, especially Hugh, 
showed that they were very capable soldiers, fearless and strong. Such was the confidence in the Irish forces in the Spanish army that when word came to Owen Rowe that the Irish at home were rising once again, he gathered 300 of his best officers and set sail for home. Hugh amongst them. In 1642, 300 Irishmen, some of whom born in exile had never seen home, boarded a ship at Dunkirk and returned to Killybegs in Ulster. From here, they marched through their homeland without mercy for the invader. Owen Rowe's army became the core of the Ulster army of what became known as Confederate Ireland. A new nation born in protest against its oppressor, blind to their cruel rule over the Irish. After 12 months of marching and fierce battles and raids, Hugh was captured by a group of Scottish soldiers in the English force in Manen. He was held in harsh conditions here for three years. As he waited here, for his chance to return to war, his uncle continued to fight bravely in an effort to revive the Gaelic soul of his homeland. In Ben Burb, Owen defeated a large Scottish army and took several hostages of note. Instead of having them executed or keeping them as prisoners, he offered them up in exchange for Hugh and other important figures who had been captured. An agreement was made and Hugh was released to his uncle. Upon his release, Owen explained to Hugh how impressed he was with him until he was captured and how he trusted him in battle more than any other man. He trusted him to never shy from a swinging sword, to never stall when a decision was needed and to never hide when a charge was on. Owen promoted Hugh to the rank of Major General. For three more years, war raged across Ireland. Revenge killings were exchanged as well as torture and the other necessities of war. In 1649, Owen's war ended as he passed away. Hugh put himself forward to lead the army, but he didn't get enough votes to take command. Instead, he was sent to the town of Clanmel. Clanmel was a town under pressure. From the east, an evil was coming. It was a black cloud of death and destruction, which was swarming over the east of our island. It was coming from the island of Britain, intent on inflicting the horrors of horrors on what they saw as the uncivilized natives. The cloud saw itself as the chosen people of God. Pure in their religious virtue. Righteous in their acts of horror. 
Every murder, scalping and rape was done in order to please the God they believed chose them to purify the world. I have read the books, the various chapters of each of the world's religions. I have yet to find the passage which states that God's plan is to kill the innocent. To murder the defenceless. To rape the bystanders. At the front of this dark cloud was a man most foul. A man who saw himself above God. A man called Oliver Cromwell. Behind him was the army most often referred to as the New Model Army. The towns and villages of Ireland stood against the Model Army but were lambs to the slaughter for what was one of the world's best trained and resourced army. Hundreds of thousands of Irish men, women and children lay dead in the mud of their path. Cromwell marched in all his pretentious glory towards Clonmel, covered in the blood of the Irish. As he approached Clonmel with his army of 8,000 professionally trained soldiers, he expected his march through it to be a formality. Another slight speed bump on his march of death across Ireland. Victory was to be a formality. Or so Cromwell thought. For it was at Clonmel where Cromwell met Hugh Dove O'Neill. Hugh had got a lead on Cromwell's march and he and 1,500 other Ulstermen stood behind the town's high walls. The gates were closed, swords were raised and outnumbered 8 to 1, Hugh challenged Cromwell to a siege. Realistically, Hugh's men didn't stand a chance at victory. Cromwell's army was enthused after a recent victory in Kilkenny. They had more men, more weapons, more food and better training. Cromwell's men saw this siege as a formality and maybe it might even give them the chance to rest and recoup before powering on. They did lack one vital ingredient however. They were not protecting their home. The Irishmen had nothing to lose and yet everything to gain. Cromwell also had little knowledge of Hugh. He was just another peasant Irishman to him. An insignificant grub in earth's soil. Cromwell had a relatively simple plan to begin with. Offer to allow Hugh to surrender to him. Hugh refused. Cromwell came up with a second plan. 
bombard the town with heavy artillery, tear down the walls of Clonmel and execute Hugh for his disobedience. A wall of soldiers was set up around the town, blocking all supplies from entering Clonmel. Those inside Clonmel looked out over their walls as they watched Cromwell's soldiers eat and drink well as they starved inside. Occasional attacks took place. Soldiers tried to breach the city walls and fire and large rocks were fired in over the walls by the artillery. Their advances at times were relatively successful, leaving the Irish inside the walls vulnerable to death at any moment. The ordinary person lived in constant fear. Due to the lack of food, many starved. Due to all the dead bodies around them, diseases spread. Due to the lack of resources, a form of plague spread throughout the town. Some moments of hope did shine through, however, as not only did Hugh and his men continue to push Cromwell back, reinforcements began to sneak into the town from across Ireland. When word got out that Hugh was making a stand for Ireland, those who had survived Cromwell's march came to Clonmel to pick up a sword and help. Hugh accepted the reinforcements but soon found his trust to be in vain. He suspected that one of these new recruits had gotten through the English too easily. A man called Edmund Fennell. Edmund had brought with him a small group of soldiers and insisted he was there to help. Upon questioning, Hugh discovered that Edmund had made a deal with Cromwell. He was to be given a sum of money and a full pardon if he could manage to get the town's north gate open to let 500 soldiers in during a specific night at a specific time. Edmund and his followers were relieved of their ability to breathe. Hugh, now knowing Cromwell's plan, decided to use it to his advantage. He organised a group of his most trusted men to the North Gate at the time Cromwell expected Edmund to open it. They watched with glee as the gates opened and quietly they began making their way in. As the last of them passed through the gates, the gates quickly closed behind them. From above the walls, fire and death rained down upon them. All were killed. When Cromwell managed to form any hole in the walls of Clonmel, every time they advanced they found brave Irishmen standing with pikes and muskets slaughtering any invaders. As the siege dragged on, Cromwell began to become impatient. He was in a rush back to England to deal with the rebellion there and didn't have time to wait to entirely starve out Clonmel.
he placed heavy siege guns around Clanmel, some weighing over 6,000 pounds. Watching Anne, Hugh understood that the siege was soon coming to an end. He was outnumbered, outgunned and outfed. He began to see that the siege was no longer the best way to defend Clanmel now. He devised a plan using his small numbers to best effect. He couldn't take on the entire army all at once, so instead sought a way to take on small numbers at a time. Hugh's men became ghosts. In the middle of the night, under darkness, they slipped over the walls, approached Cromwell's camp, executed the soldiers in silence and climbed back over the walls again to safety. One by one, Hugh was picking off the English. In one night, they killed up to 40 of Cromwell's men in a 20-minute raid before anybody knew they were there. Furious at the embarrassment Hugh was causing him, Cromwell moved his guns and faced them at the North Gates. He was going to blast them open, slaughter the town and head off on his merry way. Hugh requested everyone in the town, man, woman and child, to prepare for battle. They built a funnel behind the gate to corral Cromwell's men and armed themselves with rocks, sticks and anything else they could hit a soldier with. The Irish waited. Soldiers gripped their weapons, prepared, brave and willing to die for Ireland. The ordinary men, women and children stood behind them, frightened, crying and awaiting their slaughter. Then came the thunder. Everyone shook as the first cannon hit the gates of Clonmel. It must have felt like the fist of the devil was seeking access to their souls. Boom. 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 Cannon after cannon launched at their gates. The soldiers and townspeople stood together as they waited. A prayer was said, quick deaths were requested, and peace at last was sought. The cannons also focused on the walls, and a breach was formed during the night of the thunderous sounds of doom. Cromwell waited, however, he had been tricked before. No soldier was to enter the town until morning. Daylight would be their ally. During the night, Hugh quickly and quietly organised for a V-shape of earth to be built near the breach. 
It was made of earth and had muskets attached to the top of it. Under the earth, two cannons were hidden. The following morning, Hugh welcomed the English to meet their maker. As the English approached, Hugh's men hid silently. Once they were inside the town's walls, the Gaelic world rose. The cannons fired through the lines of marching Englishmen. At the hole they had formed, logs were sent swinging to crush those who tried to run. A red-hot chain was dragged at head height across where the English stood, melting and burning its way through anyone who did not see it coming. Flammable liquids and flames rained down upon the English soldiers. The Irish attacked from all sides with their muskets, pikes, rocks and fists. Cromwell's men had met their maker. This was hell on earth. Cromwell waited at the gates for his men who had gone through the breach to open them. Instead, he watched on as their bodies were flung over the walls. He instructed his army to go through the breach and force their way in. Wave after wave met the same force of the Gaelic world and time and time again the Irish were the ones who remained standing after the slaughter. Eventually Cromwell's men refused to enter when ordered to do so. As Cromwell retreated, Hugh took stock of his supplies. He realised that there was only so much more he could do. He went to the town's mayor and told him that he and his men now had to escape in order to get supplies and regroup. They would have to meet Cromwell again another day. The mayor agreed to relatively peaceful terms with Cromwell in order to save the lives of the innocent. Believing the town was heavily defended, Cromwell couldn't believe his luck at these terms and quickly agreed. When he entered the town, Hugh and his men had already left. He was embarrassed to discover that as 1,500 Irishmen faced his army of 8,000, only 20 Irish soldiers had died. Cromwell had lost 2,500 of his own men at their hands. It was the worst defeat of Oliver Cromwell's military career. Cromwell sent a group after Hugh and his men trying to escape. They caught them and killed 200 without mercy. 
Hugh managed to escape the chase and made it as far as Limerick. In Limerick, Hugh found himself in a siege once again. He was chosen to lead Limerick in its defence against the English, this time led by Henry Ireton, the son-in-law of Cromwell. After a back and forth of fighting for some time, Henry left and later returned with an army of 8,000 men, having learned of Hugh's involvement in the defence. Hugh and his fellow Ulstermen defended Limerick bravely, but the mayor and the people of Limerick grew weary of the siege after months of suffering. When plague broke out in the city after four months, Hugh came under real pressure to surrender. Hugh eventually placed his weapons down when the Limerick soldiers began turning on him in the hope of saving their own families. They were no match for a long-term siege battle against the English. Hugh agreed to a surrender as long as the lives of those in Limerick were spared. They were. As part of the surrender, Hugh was taken to be executed, but the decision was reversed and he was instead sent to the Tower of London to live out the remainder of his natural life. In London, word came to the Spanish ambassador in England that Hugh was being held captive. Being a former member of the Spanish army, the ambassador requested his release and reluctantly the English agreed. The term of this agreement was that Hugh was never to return to Ireland. Hugh went to Spain to live out his life. He became the general of the Spanish artillery. In 1660, Hugh became the fifth Earl of Tyrone after his cousin Hugh Owen died. When he gained this title, he wrote to Charles II requesting that he receive the rights to his ancestral home. His request was turned down. Over the next 12 months, Hugh contracted a disease and passed away to join the great Gaelic Earls of Ireland. Today, we also remember Hugh as the man who inflicted the heaviest defeat ever suffered by Oliver Cromwell's new model army. The music for this episode was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan Isanam Dom, Gurav Mahakut 
Slananesh. It's the big one. The Sky Half Price Sale is here. Choose from award-winning Sky TV and everything on Netflix or unmissable sports with every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports all half price. Take Sky Cinema and watch the biggest blockbusters or grab Sky Broadband Ultra Fast for lightning fast speed. Choose one that suits you. They're all half price for six months. Save big in the Sky Half Price Sale. Search Sky Half Price. Availability subject to location, TV and broadband products sold separately. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speed. Setup fees, min terms and further terms apply. Offer ends 2nd of September.